This is Dame Lillard. Thanks for joining us at Section 113 with Travis Demers. It's time for another edition of the Section 113 podcast after a little hiatus. And now the Blazers back at it to finish up their homestand on Monday against the Atlanta Hawks. Joining me now is somebody who also hangs out in Section 113. That is Mike Lynch. Mike, good to talk to you, man. Thanks again for the time. Yeah, of course. And uh, it's it's been an honor to be in Section 113 so far this year. It's been a ton of fun. Yeah, we've enjoyed having you, and we'll, we'll circle back around that in a minute because your impressions at the beginning of the season, I'm sure, are very different than they are right now. But, you know, it's it's been a rough couple of weeks for Blazers broadcasting, for our department, uh, losing John Curry, losing Bill Shonley, now losing Dave Bell. And it's been an opportunity for all of us in Blazers broadcasting, folks who've been around a long time, folks who are new, such as yourself, um, to kind of come together. And I'm, I'd like to know what what your perspective is being one of the new people around the block, um, seeing um, just how close people are within Blazers broadcasting. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was something that struck me right away. And, you know, the the vibe around the place wasn't great. And I didn't know why immediately because I, I wasn't privy to the news. And, uh, you know, seeing how everybody rallied together, especially for those yeah. who knew each of the people who have passed in the last week, especially, you know, like, like uh, my producer, our producer cap has been, yep. or, or has had great stories and has had great relationships with all those who, who have passed. So I, I thought that was really powerful. And I, I also kind of thought that it, it gave me a bit more of kind of like a, a feel for like the legend that people get in blazer broadcasting, right? If you're there for a long time, you've kind of come up with the franchise and, and that was kind of a cool perspective to see it as well, because, you know, people leave and and from different jobs and different companies and people in your life come and go, but you know, you're, you're in one place for 40 plus years. That's incredible. And when you know everybody and everyone has good things to say about you, that's even cooler. So that, that was kind of the perspective I learned. Yeah, and that's kind of how it is just in, in general in our department is I, I don't know anybody who has – anybody says anything bad about. Every, everyone's really good people, and I think you, you fit really well into what we do. So uh, we are certainly happy to have you. Um, there is one thing – I'm actually ashamed that I didn't notice this yesterday. I didn't notice it until today when I saw a picture of it. The Blazers actually had a black armband on the shoulder that says Sean's on it in oh. the Rip City writing. I didn't notice that. I didn't see Did it you? either. No, I missed it completely. What, yeah, and what unis were they wearing yesterday? Were they, they were wearing the white ones, the white ones last night. So I'm, I'm sure they'll have it on the other ones too. But I was, you know, I, I noticed little details like that. So I, I was ashamed that I didn't. It's a really cool thing. And we saw, you know, when um, Jerome Kersey passed away, they had the number 25, you know, when Dr. Jack passed away. And that's something that the teams do. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad they did it, though, for Bill Shonley because I hadn't heard anything about it. And then it's like, wait a minute, they, they already played a game with that and I didn't even notice. Yeah, is it is that the permanent selection or were they doing something for so. now and then they were going to change it up with a patch or something? I wasn't sure. I mean, if no, that's the I, permanent I thing, that's, that's off out of the way, but it's still respect them, respecting the Shons. And yeah. yeah, that's cool. I'll keep an eye out for it tomorrow. Yeah, well, if people haven't seen it, it's I think it's on the left shoulder. Maybe it'll be different on the other uniforms, but uh, it was it was really cool to see that. Uh, so now to basketball. The reason why I started with all of this stuff and all the heavy stuff, and we haven't even mentioned that Lamar Hurd was sick and missed a couple of weeks and the job that everybody had rallying around him. We really needed some good vibes. And the Dame's 60-point game, at least temporarily, gave us those good vibes. And a, a game where the Blazers really needed that win. I know we've already seen another game since then, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it. 
your takeaways from that night and just what it felt like to you as a whole. Boy, it was almost nostalgic watching Dame go off for 60 in the way that he did. And he talked about it in yeah. the post game that he, he didn't want to call it easy, but he said the game came to him easily. The 60 points came to him easily. And it, it reminded me so much of the classic great Dame games of the past. And it was, yeah. it was kind of that positive glow that everyone at the Blazers needed. Just kind of a, oh, that's right. The franchise-leading scorer can still drop 60 on, at the drop of a hat and can still do it. And uh, it was incredible to witness in person. And I remember saying this to you after the game. I was like, I couldn't even believe he was at 50 when he got there. Like, all of a right. sudden, he was just like, oh, I got 50, Burger. I'm going to keep going towards my career high <laughs> yeah. now. And it's like, but what's going on? <laughs> it's like, you did this in two quarters? Yeah, basically. <laughs> it was pretty incredible. Yeah. It, it it was. And, you know, it's it's interesting to me because you and I have had a chance to watch Dame's entire career. And I don't know if you remember this, but I remember Dame's draft night um, very well because you and I were working together at another radio station in town. Yep. And it was the, the track and field trials in Eugene. And you were producing back at the station. And I was doing the show down in Eugene. And I'm, I'm driving back from Eugene as Damian Lillard's being drafted. And from that point, here we are you know, 10 plus years later, and we've been able to see his entire career and what we had hoped for back then to what he's become now. Um, he's he's the oldest guy in the team now. He's been in the league longer than anybody else on the team, and here we are. And to me, it's special that we've been able to say we have seen his entire career here in Portland. It's, it's pretty cool, and I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, Dame's 32 now, right? Yeah. So he's one year younger than me. So... <laughs> Uh, and I got to Portland in 2011. So our journeys of getting here were of the same yeah. age and at the same time. So I thought that was kind of a funny thought. And I kind of had this idea of like, we've both probably grown up into adults at the same time. We've both been obviously watching the Blazers or him playing for the Blazers. It was just sure. a weird selfish thought that I had. But yeah, I mean, we've been able to see his entire career. Every single offseason, he comes back with something new every single year and he's great at it right right away yeah. i mean this year i feel like he worked on his steals and his defense uh to a different level in the offseason and he is Absolutely. now really good at getting his hand in there and swiping the ball away and we've seen him do it with the deep threes and getting better at finishing at the rim and becoming a better passer and working on his little mid-range fadeaway shot that he's gotten so good at every year he comes with something new and every year it makes him that yeah. much better and knowing that he's locked up long term and is going to finish his career in portland I can't wait to see like the wily vet he becomes with all the tools in his bag because he's been working at it for, for so yeah. many years here. And we're going to go from his draft night to eventually, you know, seeing his number being raised up to the rafters and we're going to be in the building for that. Yeah. I, I've definitely thought of that uh, more than once. You know, you, you go to the game against Toronto and I know there are all kinds of trade rumors and stuff out there, but that, that's all they are, right? It's trade rumors until something happens. Mm -hmm. The team is what the team is. And Yusuf Nurkic Josh Hart out against Toronto and a team that's a very good rebounding team. They got out rebounded by 18 in that game. The Raptors had 16 more shots than they did. And when you are missing your two best rebounders against that team, you are not going to win when you get crushed on the glass the way that that, that worked out. Well, no, and, and the Raptors are kind of like the antithesis of the Blazers right now. Yeah. They've got a ton of yeah. size and a ton of length and they are uber physical on defense and we saw it in Toronto earlier this month where the Blazers had a ton of trouble breaking through against the defense and without your two best rebounders 
you're not going to win the game. I mean, that's unless the other team also has multiple injuries in the front court, you're not going to win the game. But right. the fact that the Blazers got close and you're sitting there down four points in the fourth quarter and you're just remembering every offensive rebound from the first half and you're uh-huh. like, oh my God, or every layup that rimmed out, like there were four straight possessions where they rimmed in and out. And it was like, right. if they had just hit a couple, could you imagine the difference in this game? So, I mean, despite the fact that they lost both those guys, they still made it a game, but it was also a frustrating yeah. loss at the same time. It was kind of, it was, it was understandable, but yet it was like a... Yeah, they were feeling so good, and then it happened again. Right, and I mean, Corey Jez tweeted something out about how the Blazers won the effective field goal percentage battle, and that usually equates to victory, but, you know, when, when the other team takes that many more shots than you do, it's it's really hard to win a game. So as we look at it now, 49 games into the season, there's 33 left, and, you know, the, the Blazers are are tight. They're in the middle of the pack with all of these teams that are fighting between 4, 5, and, and 13, basically. There are only two teams in the West – that have virtually no chance, and that's that's Houston and San Antonio. Everybody else is in that mix, and we keep saying that, Mike. We've been saying that for a while. At some point, though, you've got to string together some wins, and we keep saying, okay, this is the stretch where it's going to happen. This is the stretch where it's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. No, it hasn't. The inconsistency has been a real trademark of the last couple of months with this team. Yeah. And the, I guess the only good news on that front is that no one else has really separated themselves. It's actually gotten a little bit closer. Now the Blazers yeah. before the Raptors game were only two and a half back of the four seed, where that was the six seed just a couple of games ago. So the entire West is a meat grinder and nobody can seem to to jump ahead except for Denver and Memphis. Right. So, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of the glass half full way to look at it is, yeah, the Blazers haven't done it yet, but neither is anybody else. And we are at that point in the season. You mentioned it. The trade deadline's a couple weeks away. There's rumors all over the place. You know, we don't know what most of these teams are going to look like in a couple of weeks. We right. can make all of these, you know, predictions of how the West is going to finish or, you know, when the Blazers need to jump up. But the Blazers might be a different team then. The Lakers are already a different team. The Clippers might be different. The Kings might be different. All of them in that whole bundle are going to look completely different, and that's going to change the chemistry everywhere, which I think will then lead to the separation that uh, everyone's looking for in the West, and we can just hope that it comes from the Blazers. Right, and to your point, you know, a week and a half ago, we were looking at New Orleans in the same light that we were with Memphis and Denver. Now they've lost seven games in a row. Yeah, it's like they have they have fallen out of being one of those you know top teams in in the West because of the span of a week and a half. And one way or the other, a team can go from you know where the Blazers are right now to to firmly being in the top six, or go from the top six to where the Blazers are now. And I mean, just a couple weeks ago, weren't the Kings one spot ahead of the Blazers and now they're in yeah. third. Yeah. Yeah. They I mean, have played really well. Yeah. And the Blazers still have three games left against them. So there's all kinds of stuff that can happen. And now Atlanta on Monday, and then you go out on the road, Memphis, who has really been hit or miss, uh, especially on the road, but they'll be home for that game, obviously. And then Washington, who has played really good basketball lately and Chicago, who has really struggled. Then you come home and you have a nice long homestand before the second half starts, the, the quote second half, of course. Um, but again, the, they'll, they'll be repetitive here. This is an opportunity for the Blazers to put together a few wins and get themselves right back in the mix. But they've got to do it. Yeah, we, I was calling in this the vitally important four-game stretch on this homestand. And yeah. so far, it's been two and two. So they haven't taken advantage of the vitally important stretch. They haven't faltered completely, but they're being the Blazers this year, which is inconsistent. And yeah, yeah, I mean, 
at the Atlanta game tomorrow, that to me screams of a game the Blazers should win and put up a lot of points. Any yeah. team that's even moderately average on defense has been getting shredded by the Blazers offense the last few weeks and the Hawks are not a good defensive team so uh, as long as the Blazers shots are falling I think they should be able to get a win there they'll probably see some drop coverage which the Blazers tend to shoot well against anyway right uh Memphis is a completely different animal obviously injuries can change anything there but going to Memphis is an incredibly difficult place to play and as we found out in Jaron Jackson gate he actually is that much better of a defender in Memphis (laughs) than than he is on the road so you're going to be going up against the single best defender in the NBA in his home court where he's better that's just going to be a tough game and especially with the way the Grizzlies play that's going to be that's going to cause some issues for the Blazers if if they continue to play defense like they have but the rest of the trip yeah the Wizards have been playing better but they're not a very good basketball team we know who the Bulls are they're DeMar DeRozan and everybody else and he's going to shoot a ton of mid-range jumpers he's going to score 40 points and it's probably not going to matter so there's plenty there's plenty of winnable games in this stretch but like we've been saying, you got to do it now. You got to do it now. The rest of the Western Conference is giving you more leeway. Your runway keeps getting longer because no one else is doing it either. But you have to be the one to take that, take a hold of it, grab it by the throat and say, all right, we're going to get up to the six seed ourselves. It feels like one of those games where the Blazers get out to an early lead. Then they get down somewhere around halftime in the third quarter. And maybe they're down double digits. And they start fighting back, and every time they get close, within four or five points, the other team hits a big shot or they yep. turn it over. That's what this schedule feels like, and you're just waiting for this team to put it all together and turn that corner and get ahead and, and win the game, and it hasn't happened yet. Sometimes they'll run out of gas. They'll run out of time. Before you know it, this there, it's going to be March, and it's going to be early April, and you don't want to look back and say, man, we – we just never turned it around. And we ran out of time. And to your point about what are these teams going to look like, you know, today is January, as we're recording this, uh, January 29th. Yeah. We've got, what, 11, 12 days, a week from Thursday for the trade deadline. We, we don't know what these teams are going to look like. So it's really hard to handicap what's going to happen in that stretch. But if we look directly ahead to Monday, is Yusuf Nurkic going to play? Is Josh Hart going to play? We don't know the answer to that. And I think it's difficult to really, you know, pinpoint the expectations if we don't know if those guys are going to play. I guess that's true. And and I was a little bit naive about this going into the Raptors game last night where I, I knew that Nurk and Hart were going to be out. And I, I didn't think it was going to affect the game quite like how it did because it felt like yeah. the Blazers had kind of figured out how to rally around each other and, and get things going offensively. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was a bit naive of me. But yeah, it's it, it's going to be huge if they don't play in that game. Now, Atlanta doesn't have the size Toronto does, but, you know, they've still got they've still got guys who are going to out-rebound you. And if you don't have your two best rebounders, it's going to be difficult on any given night. You know, Nurk was a game-time decision. That makes me think logically he could be ready for the game tomorrow. Uh Josh Hart with hamstring tightness. Uh, I guess it depends, you know, if it's nagging, if he's been able to to work it out with physical therapy. But, you know, neither injuries sound overly serious. So, you know, at least with Nurk being a game-time decision yesterday, I have a feeling he'll probably play, especially after what we saw against Toronto. They're going to probably say, hey, Nurk, even if you're feeling like 95%, you might want to go out there and and provide some size. And, And that should help. Before we go, uh, I know you're a big NFL fan, as am I. Our teams are out of it. The Broncos didn't make the playoffs. The Giants got steamrolled last week Thanks for uh, by the Eagles. No, I mean, hey, it was, it was an ugly game last week for the Giants. Um, but 
This is the first time for either of us that we are not working in daily radio in a very long time, and we haven't had to pay attention to every single game and every single playoff game. By the time people are listening to this, we know who's going to be in the Super Bowl. The the NFC Championship game is going on right now. Yep. So Somehow the Niners how, are tied, even though everybody's hurt. <laughs> yeah, and when we listen back to this you know, tomorrow, whatever, we're like, oh, wow, we did yeah. not see that coming. Yeah. Uh, so your level of enjoyment for the playoffs, when you can just sit back and be a fan and not have to be focused on every single play, how different has it been for you? Oh, it's been amazing. I, I didn't right. realize how much being required to watch football changed how I mm-hmm. watched football because I had been doing yes. it for, for 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, once I became a professional in sports radio, it was, uh, okay, you're watching the NFL every Sunday, you're watching college football yep. every Saturday, that's it. That's your part of your job. And I loved it, right? I love football. So at first it's like, yeah, sure, I'm already watching football. And then this year, it was week three of the NFL season, and my girlfriend was like, I don't really want to watch football. I'll just go upstairs. And I was like, no, no, no. We, we can turn it off. We can watch something else. And I right. didn't watch Red Zone in week three. And I sat there, and I was like, <laughs> boy, I feel guilty right now, and I shouldn't. Like, right. I didn't follow anything, and I'm okay, and it's okay. And it, yeah. it opened up this world of being, like, a casual big NFL fan where – if I want to watch, I'll watch. Uh, if I want to follow on my phone or if I want to check on Monday and read the box scores, I'll do that. You know, I still played fantasy football. I still stayed on top of it. But right. it, it kind of just changed it to be way more enjoyable. and Pressure-free. Like you asking me, I'm smiling talking about it because I'm like, yeah. Right. Like I don't have to sit here for seven hours today. I've got errands to run. Great. I'll miss some of the game. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> exactly. And I feel the same way. There was a, a Thursday night game earlier this year. I'm like, oh, wait, there's an NFL game tonight. And I totally forgot about it. It's like, oh, I, it's, it's just. It a, doesn't it's matter. Totally, <laughs> right. It's okay if I don't watch, you know, whatever teams that I don't care about on yes. this Thursday night game. <laughs> He is Mike Lynch. He is our studio host for the Trailblazers Radio Network. He'll have the pregame for the Blazers and the Hawks. Monday night, 6 o'clock, across the Trailblazers Radio Network. And Mike, Michael Holton and I will have the call at 7. Mike, thank you so much for the time. We are so happy to have you around, and we'll see you tomorrow night. You got it, buddy. Thank you, and I'll see you tomorrow. All right, there it is, the Section 113 podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.